Well, hello, and we welcome you to the World Travel Dad Show, where we help you travel intelligently with your family. With trip planning, money-saving tips, and funny stories, we are a resource for your next travel chapter. We are excited to have you here, and we hope our adventure helps you with yours. Tips, jokes, stories, and overall fun for your ears to enjoy. Now here's our host, World Travel Dad. What's up? It's the World Travel Dad Show. Our motto is, don't wait till you're 65 to start traveling. This is the third Bali edition. I just did it again. One of the kind listeners had written in after the last couple of episodes. He said, I smack my lips like an Egyptian camel. And I couldn't agree more, so I'm going to watch that. That was such a nice thing to say, but it's kind of a habit of mine. And um, it's a work in progress. I mean, this whole show, of course, is a work in progress. Our listener base is growing. It's very exciting. We have a lot of subscribers And I only have one mom, so I know they're not all my mom. The sad truth is, my mom is not even a subscriber. I don't think she knows what a podcast is. Today's episode is very important. We're going to be talking about things to do with kids in Ubud, Bali. So imagine for a moment that you are taking the trip of a lifetime to the great country of Indonesia. You're coming to Bali, of course, because that is a fantastic place to start, and perhaps that's the only place you're going to go while you're here. There's so many different places to explore. We are based in Ubud currently, and there are so many things to do with kids here that our kids have had a terrific time and your kids will as well, but it's tricky. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to do a rundown of some of the major attractions for children, some of the things that we've done to pass the time. We will be staying in Ubud for a month. That may be longer than what your trip is, but if you're coming from the States, you're going to want to allot yourself a couple of weeks at least. Don't Don't try to do the trip in a week. It just is too much travel to get down to this part of the world. To get down to Southeast Asia, it's, uh, I know I mentioned it before, but it's so cool being in the Southern Hemisphere for someone like me who has always been in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's just, it's such a different experience and it's one that if you if you can do it I highly recommend it and it will change the way that you look at the world and your your kids will really broaden their horizon but before we get into my review of some of these schools camps 
I always like to do some housekeeping, of course. And I already talked about the lip smacking. Get that one out of the way. Uh, there, um, I always talk about currency. That's a that's a big interest of mine. When you're traveling to all these different countries, unless you're in Europe, and you're just in Western Europe, all the kind, all, most of those countries use the euro. It's so boring. I miss the good old days. You know, I I've traveled I traveled to Spain and Italy back in the day. You know, I was just telling my kids the other day, uh, Spain had this thing called the peseta. Um, Italy had the lira. I mean, those were some really fun currencies. Of course, there were French francs, but I didn't go to France back then. The only time I ever have been to France, they were on the euro. But love those old currencies. And one cool thing about Southeast Asia is you're going to have a lot of exposure to these different currencies. Here in Indonesia is the rupiah, and it's currently 15,000 rupiah to a U.S. dollar. So when your dinner bill is a million, you're going to initially be terrified, but it's okay. It's not that much. And, you know, the other day I was walking down the street with my son and, you know, back in the States, if, if I see something silver, I'm picking it up. I mean, that's worth the bend, but we kind of had a debate. I mean, what's the, what's the lowest denomination you're going to bend for? I mean, they have 500 rupees, 500 rupiah. We calculated it's less than a penny. And so I don't bend and it feels weird. I mean, I picked up a 2000 the other day and when I really thought about it, it was a, a dime maybe. And I was so excited to get a note. I mean, it's, it's a paper note. It's a 2000 paper note and paper notes. I'm always so excited when I see them. And, uh, but I shouldn't have been that excited. And that's why it was there. I think, you know, nobody picked it up, but I was the sucker gringo. And I learned, learned an important lesson. Oh, and speaking of, uh, kids, you know, we've been traveling for quite a while. We just celebrated our four month travel anniversary. I always like to make a big deal about that. And it kind of hit me that, you know, there are some things that we, you don't, you can't plan everything. And one of the things we, you don't really think much about are haircuts. You know, you're going to end up cutting your hair while you're abroad. And we all look like clowns right now. Um, the first haircut that I got was in Sweden and the person didn't speak any English and I just gave her a look like my life is in your hands and she just took it all off. I looked like I was going to basic training and I recovered from that. That was fine, but it was, it was strange at first and just, you know, you have to get used to that. And then 
when I was in Paris, I got another haircut and I, you know, I speak some French and the lady didn't speak English, but spoke some French and I thought that might help out. It was a little bit better. Um, I'm just starting to recover from that, but I still look like a clown. And my son, um, wanted to have his mom cut his hair and lo and behold, now he has a complete mullet and there is something to be said about mullets. First of all, if you're in this part of the world, there are a lot of Australians here and I don't know how this happened, but the mullet is stylish in Australia and that's not okay. There are certain things that shouldn't be stylish and I can't tell if they're being ironic, but it's gotten way out of hand. It's out of control and Australians and the mullets is completely out of control, but now my son looks Australian, so maybe he's just trying to blend in a little bit. I don't know, subconsciously. Oh, one final note here on the last episode. I mentioned there are many wonderful countries in Southeast Asia to visit, and I may have erroneously said that you should try to visit Myanmar, and that that was a big mistake. Don't visit Myanmar. There is a lot going on right now. There's government crackdowns. The junta apparently are killing protesters. So I hope that you didn't start booking your travel plans in Myanmar. I had heard from a friend that, I mean, I don't know what I heard. I thought she said that it was a great place to visit, but that could have been a long time ago. And maybe I misheard her. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't Myanmar. It sounded weird when she said it. I thought, hmm, Myanmar, eh? Okay. Well, take your word for it. I'll go tell all my listeners to head on over to Myanmar. Uh, Don't do that. So, okay. So, anyway, back to you imagining that you took your kids to Ubud. It's, it's not a walking city, so you can't go and walk around. I still can't get over that. I never will. It's, it's something that uh, bothers me, but I'm very glad that we came here. I'm not, I'm not taking anything back. Uh, the first place that we went uh, with our friends is called Good Day Ubud. It's, I would describe it as like a hotel pool, but without the hotel. So you're only there for like a couple hours, but you can get some lunch and you've got this great pool. You've got places to lounge with uh, seats. You have to be carted back on this path through the rice fields in an ATV, which is kind of fun. And that, um, I recommend that. In fact, we're probably going to try to go this week, our last week here. We're going to do one more day at, Good day, Ubud. Uh, the 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 World Travel Dad BCI, uh, the Beer Cost Index. It was a little bit high. It was a little bit high, um, and I'm still thinking about it. But I can um, I can look the other way on that. So good day, Ubud is a good place to take the kids for a few hours and 
the grown-ups can relax as well and a good place to get some lunch and do some swimming. The, the next place I wanted to talk about is the Water Temple. This is a famous site in Ubud. It's about 30 minutes by taxi from downtown. And I highly recommend it. It's a holy site, and there are a lot of different sort of rules and things you need to know and research before you go. So for this one, you should get a guide. We actually met a cab driver who said he would take us there. And this is what I mean by guide. I don't mean going and um, contacting some agency who's you know going to take some big cut and getting ripped off like like a gringo i suspect that and this is what our cab driver had indicated this water temple is frequented by locals and it seems like everybody knows all of the mores and the rules and it's almost like most cab drivers would be able to serve as an adequate tour guide. That's my suspicion. And so I don't I don't think you need to get some specialized tour guide for the Water Temple. So we went up there a couple of days ago. We left at 8.30 and we got back at 11.30. And it was a great experience. It was really a neat thing to do. You uh, end up submersing yourself in this holy water and you wash away the um, bad spirits that might be inhabiting your body at any given time. I mean, I feel like I had a lot to wash away, so I I spent a lot of time in the underneath the fountains of the holy water and uh, I was proud of my son. He did the same thing. He, he and I seemed to be on the same page there. You know, we had a lot to wash off. But having the guides, great. They can kind of, or I mean, I should, having the cab driver that can uh, serve as a guide is great. They can kind of walk you through some of the stuff. Our, our cab driver did a very good job. I don't want to take anything away from him, but he's not a professional tour guide. I mean, that's my point. He is a taxi driver that we met one night and he said hey have you been to the water temple yet so if a taxi driver asks you that that means that they are probably competent to do the job we paid 300,000 rupiah Um, so that seemed to be fair when you really break it down for what we got he helped us, you know, tie on the sarongs. There's a special way to tie them, and you have to do two separate sarongs, one that can be submerged in water and one that um, is is the dry for the uh, for the temple itself. You can't go to certain areas, um, I believe, because you're not if you're if you're not Indonesian. I think you're restricted and. That was fine with me. We got to see plenty as Westerners. Okay, the next thing I want to review, and uh, all, all of these things I will try to link in the show notes, so 
you can go back through and um, uh, follow the links. I'll, I'll try to get the, the best sources for information. This next one is the Sacred Monkey Forest. Now, this, um, we didn't actually go into the forest, so we kind of uh, cheaped out on that one. And the reason is, when we walked down Monkey Forest Road, Jalan um, Raya Monkey Forest, it um, we saw about 50 monkeys and it's such a long walk and you kind of walk through some of the forest. You don't actually go back in it. Um, but I feel qualified to talk about the monkey forest and I think you can do either one. I think you could pay to go back in. It's not much. It's not, I don't know the exact price, but it's not something to be concerned about. Um, it's one of those things that are pleasantly cheap here. There are many things like that. And, um, but you could also just walk through this area. It's a long street. It takes you around the downtown area and you see monkeys all over the place. In fact, it was kind of shocking at first, kind of cool. These are, um, macaques, I believe they're called and they're incredibly smart. Uh, so, you know, watch your wallet. They'll, they'll pickpocket you. I mean, I saw one who, who's like using an ATM. Um, yeah. Um, so they are very smart and they're very interesting to look at. And like I said, we saw 50 of them walking back to downtown on Monkey Forest Road. So really cool there. That can that could be a couple hours for you. That that was a huge hit with our kids. They thought it was so cool. I mean, I did too. I mean, I'm, I'm acting like I see macaques in a sacred forest all the time. I mean, that was something that was new for me too. Okay, now getting into the schools. If you're if you're going to be in Ubud for more than a couple of weeks, you might be thinking about doing the digital nomad, the world schooling thing that we espouse um, and talk about a lot. And you're going to need to know about the schools. And so I can tell you about a couple of them. Uh, one of them is the Green School and the uh, Green Camp. So these are two different things. The Green School is for nomadic, digital nomad families to, to enroll their kids in, in a full-time educational curriculum. At least that's how I understand it. Um, this is run by a longtime entrepreneur, a th American, I think, who's possibly been a new bud since the 70s. I mean, this guy, I can only imagine what the guy looks like. I wish I could see him. I guarantee you he doesn't wear shoes a lot. But we didn't do the green school. We did the green camp. So this was a three-day camp that my daughter did. And I mentioned this on another podcast. I uh, After I dropped her off one of the days, I went um, and walked around. And it was one of the more memorable, memorable days of Ubud for me because I really, you know, this is, it's outside of town. It's, it's almost eight kilometers from down, t 
downtown. Well, from where we are. So it's probably six kilometers from downtown. You know, six clicks. And it's out there. So you're making a special trip out there. There's there's nothing. You can do the thing that I did where you kind of go wander and get lost. I mean, you're not that far. And like I said, I tried to get a cab back and nobody would pick me up. So I hopped on the back of a scooter. And that began my love affair with the efficiency of the of the scooter and the cheapness of the scooter trip. Uh, I can't get enough of it. It's the coolest thing ever. But I thought the facilities at the Green Camp, it was a three-day camp. It was kind of expensive, I guess, relatively. I mean, I don't, you know, I think my wife paid that. You know, she does all the finances. I'm, I'm one of those husbands that can barely tie his shoes, you know. Uh, she took care of that. No, I'm just kidding. But um, she did take care of that. I'm not kidding about that. But it wasn't that expensive. I remember thinking, sounds good. You know, full three-day camp. And when we talked to our daughter, you know you know what it's like. You know, you're talking to your kid, trying to get info. And, you know, they're harder to crack than like a CIA operative sometimes, but... From what we gleaned from her, it was very informative and fun. And the day that I dropped her off, the camp looked very enjoyable. And they learn a lot about sustainability. They learn about the jungle. And she has pulled out some fun little factoids, some well-placed factoids since that camp that have confirmed for me that it was a pretty good idea. And so that, that burned three days. We, her, uh, uh, her brother could not get in. They, the spots filled up. So green camp, book it early. If you, uh, want to get all of your kids in there and imagine if you had three free days with your spouse, I mean, just think about that one. Okay, the other school that we did is called Wood School. I think this place is great. I've been down there twice. They've done two drop-in Fridays. This is another one of the educational curriculum schools where if you're if you're a digital nomad, you could enroll your kid full time. They have classroom. They have a classroom, desks, and uh, they. You know, they do some learning. Um, But every Friday, it's kind of a little more relaxed. Sorry about that. My heart's pounding. I had a... I'm sitting out on my balcony here at night. And uh, the biggest moth or whatever it was that I've ever seen, like, literally flew into my shirt. And I freaked out. And cried. And I'm embarrassed. I shouldn't have even told you that. Okay. Back to what I was saying about Wood School. I highly recommend Wood School. It was a very good value. We've done two Friday drop-ins. And we met the director, Erica, who is terrific. And I met a couple of the teachers, and they are great. I mean, I uh, talked to Sam. He he was uh, my 
daughter's teacher, and he is a charming fellow and does a great job. And it's um, not as far as Green Camp. It's closer. They have a pool. They It's out on the edge of this rice paddy, and there's just a beautiful view. I mean, I'll, when I drop her off, I and both kids, I'll go and kind of sit and just look at the view. You know, how often can you do that? You know, how often can you just enjoy something like that uh, without having to rush back to your cubicle? You know, when I was back, when I did the cubicle thing, I would, um, you know, my little freedom was walking down to Starbucks, but, you know, there's always that TikTok timer in the back of your head, you know, pulling you back to the QB. But I, nothing was pulling me back to the QB when I sat and looked out at this rice field. It was great. Green school. So, uh, so I would say wood school would be, would be what I would recommend. Not knowing much about the green school curriculum, uh, but having met the director, Erica, over at wood school, I highly recommend it. And then there are a couple of other honorable mention things here. There's something called Titi Batu, which is a workout. It's a gym. It's a large gym with pools. And every Sunday they do a family day. We were we happened to be there last Sunday, and it was kind of mellow. We got in there, you know, the pool area for the kids and the families was a little smaller than I expected. I'm not gonna lie, but I soon kind of got over that. Uh, it was a little more mellow than I thought until it wasn't, and this place totally went off. It. I mean, they, they like raised the roof, burned it down. Some lady got on a mic, you know, got all the kids like doing these games. They had, they had a foam cannon at one point into the pool. I've never seen anything like it. And in fact, it was so, it was kind of overwhelming. We actually skipped it this Sunday. Everyone's kind of a little under the weather, but Titty Batu was, I, I recommend this. I think you do it one time. I think it was really fun. It was, um, I I think it was 500000 for four people, but you get a 250000 drink credit for that. Uh, sorry, food and drink credit. So you, so for all intents and purposes, it's only 250 for the entry. And we had lunch there and it was great. And we had, um, uh, we had drinks there too. They had the Arak, which is the rice spirit, which I love, but it, it doesn't love me back. I mean, it'll, it'll give you a headache, but if you drink it in the middle of the day and don't overdo it, you should be fine for, for sleep. And it's also really cheap and it mixes really well with these fresh juices here. And they have that drink. So not to go too far down the, the, alcohol drink path there but titty batu uh gets a thumbs up and then we went to the public library 
and I don't know the exact, I don't know the name of it, but I will tell you if you're in Ubud, there is a soccer field. It's just, you know, it's called the soccer field and the library is right there. It's right off of the side of the soccer field. So that's an easy way to find it. And this place is really cool. You could rent books, uh, you could purchase used books and for about $7, we got three books. Is a great value. I love a good used book opportunity. That's something I really geek out on. There's just something about about uh, you know books, paperback books. I know I'm I'm just I'm I'm dating myself. You know I don't really use an an e-reader or a Kindle. I don't know what you call those things. I mean I know I'll have to eventually. I think the world's heading that way, but. I like my paper books and I like the, I like that historical kind of feeling of having a paperback, you know, there's a, there's a history behind it. You know, the author is talking to you, people who have read it before you are, you're kind of communicating with them. I don't know. There's something ethereal about it. And, um, that's something I geek out on, but I really liked the library. So take some time to head down there, replenish your used books supply. And then finally, Zest Cafe is a vegan paradise. I don't do the vegan thing. I think it's, I I don't get it. Um, But, you know, vegan people don't care that I don't get it. But I will tell you that zest is going to turn me into a vegan. The food is tremendous. It's kind of up on this hill. And every Thursday from 9 to 11, um, for 100000 a kid, they do this little art class with a young lady who is not Indonesian. She's from some European country. I haven't asked her, but she um, will... Uh, help your kids do some some crafts and uh, they're in the shade back there in this courtyard and for two hours you get to go have some coffee with your spouse and we've done it a couple of times and probably try to do it one more time if possible and it's pretty cool I mean the hundred thousand it's not like dirt cheap so but if you're here on a vacation that's it's nothing you know, we're we're on kind of the traveler budget, so we have to watch things like that a little bit. But if you're here for a couple of weeks, it's nothing. I mean, you should do it every Thursday. And like I said, this, I mean, this food is terrific. I guess it's vegan. And uh, maybe I was wrong about vegan food. It just seems impossible to make. I mean, how do you, how do you put together vegan food and then make it taste like that? So... That's called Zest. So that's it for the rundown. I hope that that's helpful if you're bringing your kids to Ubud. It's a very kid-friendly destination, but it's tricky. You know, you can't just walk out and, and find things. We, uh, we're we going to be going to Sanur, which is closer to the beach. So I will be doing episodes from Sanur for a couple of weeks and then on to Singapore And wherever you are right now, I hope that 
you're not still dealing with the COVID nonsense. I wanted to do a brief note on that. Um, I was concerned about Southeast Asia. I mean, of course, China's been in the news a lot, but I was just worried that maybe they treated COVID a little bit differently down here. Now, Indonesia, technically, I think they still want you wearing masks inside, but nobody has stopped me. And I'm not like one of these, you know, Ted Nugent right-wing types, but um, I think they kind of are relaxing that kind of informally. It did. It looked like Singapore, where we're going next, um, is also um, a little bit more relaxed. Um, I heard uh, the Philippines is still making you wear masks. Um, you, know, you know, hey, Manila, 2021 called. They want their pandemic back. I mean, I, I just feel like, can we please that? Nope, not going to do it. Not going to get political. Hey, thanks for uh, joining us, and uh, we'll see you next time on the World Travel Dad Show.